0: Hey everyone, welcome to episode 104 of the Fitness Devil Podcast. Today we've got Robert Linkle. Robert's growing in fame in our industry for someone who deals with older populations. We get into a really in-depth conversation about that. Misconceptions and what we as trainers can and should be doing with them versus the the myth of them being fragile and not being able to do anything. We also get into his story, how he came to work with these people and he's got a pretty extensive and interesting history of injuries and and health stuff so he can relate to these guys so you got to hear this story Uh, we also talk about his social media how it's really client focused it's information geared towards his clients it's not a lot of flashy stuff and his philosophy towards what other trainers uh, probably should do with their social media we also tackle why it might not be such a great idea to spend any of your time on controversial topics like politics social issues so stay tuned
1: shut up and sit down
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. So if you were listening to this, hopefully last week you had heard us with Lou Shuler. Lou Shuler has the distinction of being the oldest person we've had on our podcast, so that we followed it up with a guy who specializes in training old people like Lou. Uh, We've got Robert Lincoln here. He's the owner of Be Stronger Fitness. It's his physical facility. And uh, trainingtheolderadult.com, which is his online entity. And, well, he's pretty renowned for working with older adults, and we're going to talk lots about that, and it is uh, you, you'll become really well known for his skill within that population, and teaches other trainers about this stuff. Uh, I just shared an article today, which is going to be now whew, a week ago for you listening, uh, that he had published on uh, Dr. John Russin's page. Uh, you know, Ten Commandments of Trading Older Adults, I believe, is the title, or very close yes, to it. Yep. It's fantastic, and on top of that, you're actually one of the most respected and well liked people in our world. Uh, I keep banging up against your name. Uh, before we'd actually met in person, we met this summer at something. You came to Edmonton at the NSCA's uh, provincial clinic that uh, our that's friend right. uh, Jeff Baker had hosted. We got to sit down and have dinner and Definitely. and watch you present. And you're someone that the industry speaks of with great reverence. You know, just being a generally really nice guy. So you know that that carries a lot. So welcome on I here, told, man, I told you, to thank you. you.
2: I told you he'd butter you up. Like he's the best at it. Totally. And like he's that's totally like if you look at our script, like <laughs> none of that's written. Like I couldn't even do that. And the, the one thing I did want to get out of the way before we go, because I was like reading through the questions and I'm like, what is the proper term? Because you know, we have like political correctness nowadays for like, yeah. because Andrew is like elderly is like, or you, you know, you said old people. You like went straight for the, probably the worst one. Older. <laughs> old. No. You said old people. I just,
1: I just stay away from senior as long as we're not using senior. Right? It's older adults, elderly, like there's. You know, that's all it's all open. for So 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 senior is like the bad one. Like, yeah. And we kind of took that as a a view from our clients. We had a part of our programming was called senior strong and they couldn't stand it. They all we had like a one of our clients had gray hair, you know, and was doing a deadlift. And I was like, I think this is pretty badass. He's in the, the hex bar. And people are like, "Yeah, oh, we're not seniors. We don't look at ourselves this way. We're aging adults. We're older adults. We're active older adults." I was like, "All right, I'll go with older adult." And uh, it's just kind of grown from there. So and, yeah, I'm 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 good with that. And too. that's actually good to know, because like I would have yeah.
2: thought senior was sweet. Like I look right now, I'm like, "Oh, I want to be like get that senior discount." But I can see
1: how like that when you get there, it's like, "Fuck off." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The you know the the senior discount mindset is also you know, something we'll talk about today, but it's, it's like, I call it common practice. It's kind of what our industry already practices just because the people before us did it and no one ever really changed it. So it's, it's kind of that same mindset. It's, they just stick with senior. It makes you think they're old and they're, you know, they got to sit down and exercise, all that kind of stuff. It just, it lends to that mentality. So all about changing that.
0: Well, that's uh, what we're going to get into a lot of is a lot of these misconceptions. And so let's, let's start with this though. Um, you know, I got to see this live. Uh, you told us a lot about your history and kind of how you came to work with this population uh, in your presentation when you were here. So I thought it was really important that you kind of share this because, well, as you put it there, when older people are asking you, well, what, how the hell do you know about training me? And you're like, well, I've kind of got the body of an old person. So you want to yeah. tell them how that
1: happened? <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, This it all started when I was uh, 28, I ended up, I was a hammer thrower track and field. I was sponsored by Reebok and pursuing the, the Olympic dream. And I ended up blowing up my back pretty good. I was a, a really good backswater uh, for my size and, uh, just kind of had a regular day, uh, warming up and, and out went my back. So I ended up blowing out a disc, uh, L four L five and L 5s one and had a, a surgery to, uh, to repair it. And that kind of ended my hammer throwing career and, uh, the next year, uh, I was training some clients to climb Mount Rainier and Mount Everest, and I had this whole, you know, group of clients who were going to train with me to do some local climbs and um, started getting really sick and coughing up all kinds of uh, different body fluids. Unfortunately, went to the doctor and found out I had a, a carcinoid tumor in my lung, had to have my my lung removed, uh, two ribs taken out, my intercostals, my lat severed. My I mean, it was a massive, massive surgery. I have a, like a 28 inch scar at my side where this thing was taken out, and a major rehab to recover from that. Not eight months later, they found another similar tumor in my thyroid, had to take that taken out, and um, that that we thought was kind of getting me over the hump there. Uh, A couple of years later, my hips started failing, and just from years of lifting and turning the exact same direction for hammer throwing, just billions of throws, you know, from right to left. So I just abused my body. I was not terribly gifted. So I, I just trained harder and, and whatever everyone else is doing, I doubled it. I, I just, I was going to stay relevant by overtraining and uh, ended up getting arthroscopies on both my hips. And then in 2016, had both my hips replaced. I uh, had one, my left one dislocated two days after um, they relocated and dislocated seven more times that day, and eventually had to do the entire thing over again. So uh, just for fun, I I threw into <laughs> wrist repairs from all my throwing days and a hernia, oh, and I've uh, <laughs> had had eleven surgeries altogether. So it is a unique situation, uh, but it also gives me some clout when I you know I get a seventy or seventy five year old coming in saying, hey, I'm I'm going through treatment or <laughs> I have to have my hip replaced or you know, and I start talking shop with them when as I come out right away and say, I know what you're going through or what you're gonna go through you know, to kind of establish that uh, rapport and lend some credibility that I, I know what to do with them right away. That, that kind of gets me in the door. So I have a unique experience with that and an obsessive mindset to whatever I was going through. I'm going to learn everything I can about this to apply to, to, my, to my people uh, in hopes that they don't have to go through it. Or if they do, they, they
0: rehabilitate and recover from it really, really well. And just for our audience's um, you know, understanding, you're actually a little younger than me. So how old are you right now?
1: I'm, I'm turning 39 in November. Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: you, you, so, got, yeah. you got like yeah. legit street cred in that realm. <laughs> I know. Like, I thought I was yeah. bad. Like I have like two surgeries, like a, a knee surgery and a hip surgery. But I was like told I was going have to have a hip replacement if I didn't. And I was like, I feel old. Um, I couldn't imagine two and then having them replaced because that was what I was trying to avoid was having a replacement. So they go yeah. through that, well, three times, I guess, because you have to have it redone. Yeah. Holy shit.
1: Yeah. And it was just, you know, I got to this point, um, I'm a big quality over quantity kind of person. You know, most doctors want to have you push <laughs> as, long as, as long as you can until you absolutely have to have this done. And it's like, I couldn't walk comfortably, get up and down off the ground comfortably. I couldn't demonstrate exercises. So it's like, professionally, I wasn't able to do anything I wanted to do, but also we were having kids and it's like, I couldn't even play with them, you know? Yeah. so. To me, it's like, hey, I'm going to have to redo these things, I'm sure, when I'm 55 or whatever. Uh, and, and that's fine with me because the next 20 years are, are going to be pain-free and, you know, I'll be able to do what I want to do. Well, and that leads to, like, how are you feeling now? Like, outside
2: of, like, the fact that you probably obsessively learned how to be yeah. in that new body. But, like, are you
0: doing
1: well? Like, that's I'm just listening to Rashi. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. You, you sound
0: cybernetic at this point.
1: I right? <laughs> You know, to, it, with with all honesty, like I'd love to be able to just say I'm great, um, that that I know exactly what to do with myself and I fixed me. But, you know, the surgery that I had to take my lung, they um, they had to cut through, literally cut my lat in half and in my intercostals and the ribs. I have so much nerve damage from that. Yeah. Uh, I'm in conic- con- chronic uh, pain treatment therapy. I've been in it for 10 years and that's just not going away. And that's just something I, I kind of have to deal with. Uh, as far as my hips go, they work great. I can I can bridge, I can squat, I can deadlift. It's it's not heavy, but I can do it, and uh, I'm able to to run around the yard, and I can do yard work, and I can do all those things. And uh, my breathing is better with one lung than it was with with two. That you know, with one that was uh, infected there. So I mean, I've got nothing to complain about um, having to, you know, have a world of being you know involved with with painkillers, unfortunately. Uh, if that's something that I have to maintain to, to stay alive, <laughs> then, then that's fine with me. That's worth the exchange of not having the surgery. Well, so and that, uh, like,
2: that is that realm of like, I don't think a lot of people appreciate it till they have to appreciate it, but you just yeah, want to yeah. be in a place where you can do stuff. Like, and that has yeah. like, like, you want to lift weights and stuff, but like there goes the whatever 600 pound squat every week when yeah. now you can play with your kids. And it's kind of cool to get to that point. Unfortunately at your age. Um, but there is something there because people are still getting hurt regardless of whether they're getting hip replacements or not. And it's almost Mm -hmm. like when you get to that point where you want to enjoy stuff, you really have to have a different outlook on training.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there was a a big mental component for me too, because, you know, we went, I went from being a, you know, a 550 pound back squatter and being able to clean and jerk 320 and to not being able to do any of that. So not throw anymore, not lift anymore. Uh, I kind of went through like 18 months of depression and yeah. having to kind of come through that. So there's, you know, there's history to all this. It's all learning experiences. None of it's well with me. It's just something that I've learned from going through. And and it's something that I can reference to with a client when they come in and experience something. I, I've been there. I've felt that. I know what this is like. You know, it's um, we're always learning. Nobody's perfect. It's something to, you know, experience and help teach and help learn from. So well, life, life experiences are good. Well, and let's, like, let's pull from that experience because we had one of our questions, which is
2: like, what should lifters and we had 20s, 30s, and 40s, but like young adults mm-hmm. focus on how to make the most out of lifting further into later adulthood? And what are some common misconceptions about working out into your 50s and onward?
1: Yeah, the, the thing that I've experienced the most, or the message that I like to portray to people the most, is that, you know, Brett Contreras really got onto something with the idea of glute training. I don't know if there were a lot of people in the 80s and 90s that really looked at lifting and said, this is a muscle group that we need to target. Um, They kind of thought, well, I'm getting it with deadlifts. I'm getting it with squats. I'm getting it with lunges. And, uh, you know, glute bridging was was something they did in aerobics classes. And so when, you know, when I went through my training experiences and learning, that wasn't a muscle group to target. And I overdid my quads and my hip flexors so much that you know the weak glute component is kind of why my hips fell apart so that's a huge teaching point for us right right away you know we have two things that we address with all of our clients no matter what age they are and that we want them to you know carry throughout their their life of practice it's proper hinging mechanics and and building glute strength and then the second one is learning to retract their scapula set their posture up tall and building as much rowing strength or posterior strength as possible so Really, it's just addressing the posterior chain more and learning how to pick things up and down properly. And there's if they can apply that, we're
0: good. There's something I was going to throw in there because you mentioning Brett is great. And it's almost something accidental because the popularity in the glute training, and the craze, despite Brett's passion for understanding how important it was for everybody, it really took off in a huge way, largely because women wanted bigger butts. Let's mm-hmm. let's, let's be honest. That is what – Brought it into the mainstream and then you have all this interest in glute training and Brett certainly is the individual at the very forefront of all this work. There are other people out there who are doing it. But that led to a much more greater emphasis on, you know, hinge patterns and and mechanics of it and the importance of doing this stuff, just like you, you said. So Despite the fact that its origins are in sort of this aesthetic you know vanity place, there's nothing fucking wrong with that it's done a lot of really good stuff and you know I certainly am very grateful for what Brett has done. If anybody is listening to this and hasn't listened to our old library or you know you know Robert first and foremost, uh, we have a great episode with Brett. he goes on and on and on about his frustrations with <laughs> the way that like, he gets pretty ranty. He's pretty funny in this one yeah. about, um, especially use of language like dysfunctional or broken or all this stuff. And, you know, you just went through this laundry list of all the things that you talked about that you've experienced and you're dealing with populations where sure, probably the, the instance of, some sort of you know injury or limitations is probably just on average a little higher, but mm-hmm. not using language to make these people feel like they're broken and there's shit wrong with them, uh, that they're degenerative. You know, Brett's really passionate about that and I agree with him 100%. So yeah, let's let's definitely dive into some of the- Well, you, the you, mentioned, easy- you mentioned
2: it. Like you mentioned like even language or like even talking about just being a senior kind of has yeah. this, this baggage with it. Can you kind of explain, I guess, let's go down there, I guess, in terms of yeah. your population. Yeah, let's do it.
1: Yeah, the, the the common practice list that I kind of pull from, this is what we see, what most trainers will do with older adults. They don't want them to lift anything heavy. And from the medical field, we see 30 pounds. I don't know where 30 pounds came from, but you know, if they're carrying groceries, it's more than that. If they're picking up a grandkid, it's more than that. So 30 pounds is a number. Don't go over that. God forbid you reach overhead, let alone press weight over your head because you could get hurt doing that. You have to be supervised, can't exercise on your own, or work in a group of people. You have to have one-on-one training because you you can't do bird dogs on your own. You can't do band pull-downs on your own, right? You don't wanna do anything powerful because powerful movements, you're gonna break your hip doing that. You're gonna hurt yourself doing that. And uh, the machine exercises are definitely the most important ones to do. You can't stand up and exercise, You'll you'll get hurt there as well. So it's that list of stuff that I get over and over from clients, medical professionals, you know, you see it on magazine covers, you see it in health and fitness books, and it, it drives me crazy, to be honest, because when you look at like a, just a basic Google search of resistance training, the first three bullet points that come up are going through, you know, uh, bone density, you know, increased longevity of movement, increased cognitive uh, recall and cognitive function, you know, balance, uh, coordination, reaction time, fall prevention, and you're like, we're talking about the older demographic. Why would we not encourage them to have this be the first thing that they do? And and so it's like, yeah, you can cover some of that stuff doing machines and but but we don't live life on machines. We we have to get up and move and to learn how to, you know, transition ourselves through different planes of movement and not just one at a time on a rail system, right? So it's it seems a little counterintuitive that the experts out there, the medicals that, that are, you know, the medical professionals that are giving the advice of the common practices we're actually doing a disservice by doing that. We're not, we're not helping our clients advance. And uh, it's, you know, to, to not be too dramatic, but to drive it home, like we're encouraging people a little bit to kind of die quicker by telling them not to do these things. Right. So it's definitely, you know, my life mission to teach other trainers, you know, if you have to start with this stuff, fine, but get away from it as quick as you can and get your people moving in like the athletic mindset in an athletic way. Well, we have talked um, – oh, you go
0: one of my, oh Yeah, I was going to say. So one of my clients has been with me forever. She's unbelievable. She's 58. She looks like she's probably in her early mid-40s. She acts like she's about 20. And this lady, mm-hmm. she, she like deadlifts off the ground 200 pounds. She wants to deadlift. She wants to max out deadlift every week. And I'm like, no, we can't do that. But she's so durable that <laughs> she always wants to max out her deadlifting. She will – I've got a video of her barbell lunging a hundred pounds across the gym turf in nice. back, so nice. probably about forty meters of that. Any given time she wants to lunge, she'll do seventy to eighty pound barbell lunges, no problem. You know, it just it's fun to watch her go. She's an inspiration. All of her friends, uh, family members, they all they, she just stirs them up and really advocates for them to get involved in fitness. And anyone who's around the gym just looks at her. It's like holy. F- fuck this woman is a machine yeah. and yeah there's just no mental limitations there uh and I've never treated her like she was different and, and you know reading your article Good, I man. wrote something about it I've always trained her with the care to her individual capabilities mm-hmm. but I've always trained her within whatever she really wanted to do outside of like okay that would be really fucking stupid let's not do that right like barbell squat with a bow you know standing on a bosu, like yeah. low-hanging fruit just don't do that with the 20 year old you don't need it But yeah, like she likes to lift heavy. She likes to grab barbells off the ground. She likes to bench press. She likes to do whatever whatever the fuck. So sure, no problem at all. We're just smart about how we implement it. But
2: the big thing is like you're not playing into like – and we've talked about it before, that fragility mindset that comes along with a lot of these medical models and even some of the training models is like it's built-in fragility because they're putting people in boxes. And like you said, you almost want to avoid that mindset completely. And Mm -hmm. when we avoid things that are bad, quote-unquote, then like – like, then what? Like, do they just die? Like, like you like you said, like, we're just yeah. teaching them to like, yeah, you're done. And that's so horrible in terms of like, you train o- older people, but like they can train well into their 50s and 60s and 70s.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I've got uh, a lady that I, I feature every week named Betty that she's 92 and she's <laughs> you know Betty. progressing. Yeah, it's been I've had her for 12 weeks and, and I'm showing, you know, side by sides of her first week to this week. And, you know, she's doing three sit to stands in the time it took her to do one in the first week. And it's like, that's a functional strength and ability that she's improved in three months of training at 92 years old. So why would these 60 and 70 year olds be like, oh, I, you know, I'm old, They they everybody says that I'm old, I, I can't move anymore, this and that. Well, because you don't practice it because you're not trying to do that. And you're letting that like societal handicap just hold you into this, you're old now, you're not supposed to do these things. And I'm not telling people to go out and start doing wind sprints and you know, maxing their deadlift. You know, Andrew, you're talking about your client and it's like you you are experienced for decades of training. You know exactly where to start with someone and go. But our entry level trainers, new trainers, they don't. It's the two big questions I get from them constantly. I don't know what to do with them. I'm afraid of hurting them and I don't know how to teach it. And I get that. You know, you get somebody that comes in and they're like, I just had a hip replacement. I'm cleared from PT. What do we do? And you're like, Oh my God, I don't wanna I don't want to do it. I don't want to dislocate their head, but where do I start with this? And there just aren't a lot of resources for our industry to pull from that and be like, Oh, here's step one. So that's what that article is about is, you know, here are the 10 commandments. Here are the 10 things to feature and to focus on. And then if you want more, you know, you're, you're welcome to come learn more. I have a YouTube page and a website and all that, but this will at least get you started and have an understanding of who you're working with, what the mindset is. You know, and how you can kind of get the ball rolling in here to where you're not afraid to work with this group. You're not afraid to challenge them. It's like you said, they, they're they competitive. You know, they're competitive as 18 and 20 year olds. It's just a, a different way to compete, you know.
0: Well, what I was going to say here is, and everyone who is a trainer who is listening, who isn't already pretty in tune with what you're doing. You know, I got to say this. Guys, you actually should be absorbing what Robert's doing because you're developing a library of information and filling a void that, Fuck! How the hell is this not even stuff that's out there in spades? Because you know the people who actually have you know financially who have the the money to spend say, on yeah. training are—is this population? They are more mm. f- financially in, able to do this stuff. And time. Is a, yeah, this is a clientele base that needs to be served, wants to be served. And you know, there's a lot of people out there who just don't have that information. And we get little bits of examples. Like uh, I'll use, I was just going to cite a couple of people who showcase some of their clients because you're talking about this. Like Chad Landers is great for this stuff. Yeah, and, absolutely. And you know, he just recently, sadly, he's got a longtime client who he had to announce her passing. She had a couple of rounds of cancer, but she'd also competed, I think, at a world level in powerlifting. Yeah,
1: she was a world um, champion. Yeah,
0: yeah I, twenty-five I
1: years me, he trained her.
0: Yeah, and you know, he's got these long-term relationships, and people think about Chad as this relationship guy, and that's true, but Chad has also worked extensively with older populations very successfully. If you think about someone who's, I, I feel like she competed in her 70s, perhaps. You know, you get a right. seven year old uh, plus doing powerlifting competitions. I mean, that's not for everybody, but that's pretty damn cool. It's definitely not a trainer who's, okay, we got to make sure you're sitting in machines. Or one of my favorites is uh, when Dean Somerset posts, he's got one client. I can't remember how old his client is. I feel like he's in his late 60s or early 70s. And every day, every year on his birthday, he's allowed to like do a one rep max. I forgot deadlift. about that. <laughs> right. So that's, <laughs> like he that. does a video that's cool. And stuff, right. So Dean like, <laughs> knows what he's doing with, you know, pop- populations of all ages, yeah. people who deal with injuries and this sort of stuff. So, yeah, he could handle somebody like that no problem so hopefully we'll see more and more of these kind of cool examples i think megan calloway just shared a client who god i feel like was in their 70s who was on rings and flipped over and did something fucking unbelievable just mm-hmm. go check it out if you haven't seen this stuff i it just it was it was like acrobatic uh rings type shit i'm mean, like nice. i couldn't believe it nice. you kind so. of
2: i kind of wanted to touch on this so i don't even know if we have this in there but you kind of mentioned all the good things and like that comes in the article is there anything like New trainers that aren't comfortable this with this kind of stuff should avoid, or some of the stuff you see happening that is probably not beneficial for the bottom line in terms of training yeah. older adults.
1: Yeah, I mean, once once you know the client is cleared of, and and I I'm, PTs, the physical therapists probably give me a hard time for this, but I feel like the like the machine realm is really used for kind of clearing, like that first step. We have a baseline of machine strength. Now let's graduate on to our functional strength, our, our more full body, free weight kind of style of training. So once we know they're beyond kind of that PT level and they can integrate into this, one of the one of the bigger mistakes that we see is that we will pick, you know, sound exercises, but they'll start them kind of in the middle range of expectation of the ability. And the client either fails drastically, like they, they bomb and now they're not hurt, but they've just had to be regressed so many times where mentally they're defeated. Right. And it's like, step one, let's put this bar on your back. Let's back you up and try to do a 90 degree box squat. Well, they can't squat with their body weight to 90 degree, let alone with the bar on their back. Right. So, okay, let's take the bar away. You know, now I can't get down to the box. Well, let's make the box high. You know, eventually it gets to a point where it's so remedial. They're like, I failed, I failed, I failed. Where if we started with, you know, a 75 degree angle box squat, And then added a band to that and then added a a consistent load to that and then worked up to a goblet squat and then eventually, you know, eight months later, if you wanted to back squat them or whatever it is, then you got there. So even though it might seem very remedial and entry entry level to start with some of the more basic components, look at these individuals as they're completely green. If you were going to teach me how to do any other skill that I don't know, we have to start with step one. We have to start with the easy things. And even though they're simple, it's progressive. You know, they can do it. It's safe. You can build off. So a lot of times we just jump too far ahead quickly because we expect and think this is simple. Everybody should be able to do this, not necessarily with any demographic, but specifically with this one. And then the worst case scenario in that situation is they get hurt doing it. And now you have the reputation of being the trainer that that hurts somebody. You know, you're trying to reconnect this relationship and help them come back with this injury always looming overhead. So I'm, I'm a big believer of the philosophy of like I always want to consistently just slightly under train my clients because we don't have seasons. We don't have, you know, I look at them like I'm going to get 49 weeks out of the year with you because you're probably going to have some holidays and a couple of vacations that you program yourself so i don't need to to microcycle or even mesocycle <laughs> off periods right we're just going to train and if we can train 2 3 days a week kind of just under that red line we're going to just keep making you know steady improvements i don't want to go backwards i don't want huge jumps and then we have these plateaus and such in the beginning and i just want to keep taking small steps. You're saying that they're not
2: up really they're well. not reading uh, Mike
1: Isertel stuff and they want to do like wave load
2: volume and hit their muscles 20 20 sets per week and then kind of scale it up and down. They don't want that?
0: Guido and I had the exact same thought. I was going to say like <laughs> fine, like Mike Israetel talk about maximum recoverable volume. They're you like to find years that old. for them? <laughs> <Fuck> no.
1: Yeah, <laughs> no, I mean you got Dave Tate out there that could probably represent, you know, that, that, that area a little bit more, but Luis yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, the guys that have been trained in that way, um, it, it's, it's a, it's a different programming mindset. Um, that's, that's more or less linear, but you know, if you program in periodized weeks that they're going to get heavier loads and you're going to have some recovery periods and like, you can do that, but think of it as like a year long plan. Yeah. You know, rather than a a seasonal component or a a training phase.
2: Well, do you think that there's like a generational thing too? Because I would say like, I'm not the expert here, but a lot of those older people, they didn't grow up in a generation where they even cared about that shit. You know what I mean? Like they don't even know what you're programming anyways because it's not common knowledge at that point
1: in time. Yeah, it was still a little, and you know, I'm almost 40, uh, it was still a little bit taboo for us to go into the weight room as like regular, yeah. just general fitness, be healthy. And this was in the, in the early 90s. So, you know, really, I mean, we know 70s and 80s, like bodybuilding fitness was, it was a freak thing. Yeah. And, and then it kind of came a little bit more general. I really feel like it wasn't until, you know, like really the invention of CrossFit that kind of got the general fitness mindset people, like everybody to kind of recognize the idea of exercise, maybe not necessarily CrossFit style, but to be like, Hey, everybody could be doing this to where it's now normal to just go to the gym. That's the other place. I go to work, I go home and I'm at the gym and that's, that's the other spot. So now it's finding, you know, 35 to 45 year olds and up that are, are having this introduced earlier in their life and it's normal. But when you're like, you know, 55, 60 and up, it's not a normal thing that they grew up with necessarily of like, oh, I'm supposed to be in here sweating and pushing myself and doing this in front of other people. Like they could be very uh, turned off by it. They could be very uh, intimidated by it. And it's up to us as the experts to kind of set that expectation and the comfort level of like, this is exactly what you're doing. Be confident. I'm with you you know, I got this and, and to establish confidence right away with them when there's no other model to kind of give them, because like, if I think about
2: like any of the success stories, like you said with CrossFit, it was like, Oh, this person's 70 and she did CrossFit. But like, Mm -hmm. that was the only examples in popular culture where like, it was a thing. And so I don't know, like you said, you can create your own model in which they can share, but it's just not that big in media, I guess you could say, like,
1: I don't know. Yeah, we see a couple of extremes. I did a uh, Facebook Live maybe two weeks ago um, with my friend Jackie and, and both of us she had put up a um, a video of a, a lady seventy years old doing a farmer carry. She's got you guys have probably seen this, she's got like forty five pounds in each hand. She's yeah. got farmer yeah. logs, and she's dragging a sled behind yeah, her, I right? Did see that. And she's oh, she's weaving side to side, her knees are buckling, her shoulders are all inverted, she's caved over, but she's you know, carrying and towing like 180 pounds with her. And so you see that example and you're like what an inspiration and I'm looking at that like sh- this lady's going to blow up if she keeps doing this, oh. you know? And and so there's there's kind of your happy mediums in there. Go ahead, go ahead Andrew. You're dying.
0: That's a pet peeve of mine too, actually. And yeah. like this one's a little controversial and I usually stay away from it. We talked a little bit about this when we had Melody Schoenfeld on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And Melody and I saw it a little differently. Is you see also these these outrageous performances of uh, this young man with cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And you know, yeah. a lot of people celebrate it, but then there's also a lot of other people. And and I tend to be sort of in the middle towards the side of the things where I'm wondering just how responsible it is for that trainer, because there's a trainer involved in there to be pushing these individuals, because biomechanically, what we're seeing is really, really bad. Yeah. Okay? There's yep. some really scary biomechanical shit there. And so you've got individuals who aren't your strongest, most durable people just by the very nature of of their circumstance, be it this lady who is, she looked like she was in her probably late 70s, mm. or this young man. And while I'm not going to turn around and demonize it because I think there's something about, like, this guy wanting to do this, it's inspirational, at the same time, I'm I'm willing to question just how fucking responsible is this shit. And then you're videoing it and putting it on display in the way that it's being done. There is some really dangerous-looking biomechanics going on there. And it doesn't – just because someone is older or they have cerebral palsy or whatever doesn't make them invincible to getting hurt doing this stuff. And the consequences for them getting hurt in those cases are probably a lot more severe than an everyday person who is is equipped to handle the rigors of a powerlifting competition. So I'm a little bit more measured on my thoughts on that. I don't well, know just the, well, the
2: context just doesn't get described in those videos. Like maybe this – you know what I mean? And I think that that's the problem yeah. with social media of any kind is like – everything could have all the ducks could have been in a row and that was a perfect scenario for that person and the training was awesome but we don't ever hear that we just see that and then it's almost like it's desensitized the fact like oh everyone should be able to do that and i don't know if Mm -hmm. that's necessarily true but i I mean i don't know if that's on the person who did it to kind of show that context it's just a tough scenario in general
1: well i i love feats of strength i mean i we as as brothers of iron like we all look at that and we want to see those things right But we don't want to see, you know, Franco run with a refrigerator on his back and his legs snap in half. Like we don't, you know, I had to mention Franco because of this, this week and us losing him. Uh, But, uh, um, you know, that, those things we don't want to see. But if you watch the world's strongest man, you know, look at Shaw and, and Thor and those guys deadlift, they have really good technique. You know, I mean, they're, they're, they're really efficient when they do their loaded carries. They, they're really efficient. Their presses are, are perfect overhead. Like. They're really good feet of strength demonstrators, right? You'd see Eugene Sandow up there with those guys doing that stuff. So to me, this lady carrying the logs and pulling the sled, if the logs were 10 pounds lighter and the sled was 15 pounds lighter and she did it right, like she did it really efficiently, that would be more impressive to me. Because yeah. I'm like, hey, look, look at what she's achieving. But we can look at that as experts and say, okay, we can respect 35 pounds in each hand. But to the you know the average day person, they're like she's carrying 180 pounds. How is it any different if it was 120? But it's done well. I'm respecting that from coach to coach much more than I am the total load she's moving, right?
0: And here's another important factor too. I mean, that may seem impressive to you know younger people, uh, you know, active people. Mm-hmm. But what kind of message is it sending to people, the older adults that we're trying to encourage that hey, the gym is safe? that you should yeah, do strength and resistance training. And meanwhile, you're seeing these videos of some extreme stupid fucking shit that oh, is being done here. And I don't necessarily believe that's actually going to encourage them to get into the gym environment because next thing you know, they believe, well, this is the kind of stuff that trainers are going to do to me. Good well, God, no. Well, people uh, know
2: what looks like shit. Like, you know what I mean? Out of all of that, like yeah. even if they can't decipher from trainer to trainer that looked good, people know what bad looks like. And yeah. in both of those cases, it looked, uh, maybe not the cerebral palsy because I don't think there's a way around that, but the, yeah. the log carry with the sled, like it looked horrible. And, and people of that age will be able to see that and maybe that will deter them from seeing it. When yeah. when they could have just dropped the weight and it would have been very impressive. And it's not that it wasn't impressive, it's just like, where's the attention to having that responsibility to not show that shit as well? Yeah. Or at least explain it? I don't know. I think mm-hmm. in
0: those cases, you have to approach it with responsible uh, resistance training because, again, in the example that you cited, the older lady, the young man with cerebral palsy, they really do need to get be stronger and yeah. develop strength. Well, it is the thing that is going to prolong the life. You've done life it, though. So well, you've you, you showed a deadlift before. And your extreme – let me finish. Sorry. Extreme <laughs> – beats of strength with those populations I'm, I'm not so sure that's such a great idea i really yeah. don't know so i agree I, I was gonna say you've shown it before
2: though like you're playing like this is a max deadlift and like yeah it rounded a bit but like we don't do that this often and like everything leading up to this we we, mm-hmm. we dialed it in and i've seen andrew do that a few times because like shit's gonna happen at some point but there is some care to be like listen she's trained for this and it's okay and i think it was that one lady wasn't it
0: Probably, yeah. Like, um, so we're talking about my client, Teresa, who is just this mm. wonderful human being. She's incredible. Funny, she actually saw my sharing of your post and just commented on it. So I'll tell her that nice. we talked about it in the podcast. All good things. But yeah, like all these 20-year-old women just see this see this lady. And they're just like in awe of what she's capable of. So yeah, so we've got a couple of examples of her doing a one-rep max deadlift. And so her thoracic gives a little bit. Her spine or her lumbar spine is completely straight. And mm-hmm. she's able to lift it. And she's so practically She's got more practice at this stuff than half the powerlifters in the gym. Just she loves doing it, and she's super strong. Right? She can handle it, and she, she's always the one choosing it. I'm never pushing. Hey, we should do this thing. She's like, no, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. And she's got incredibly powerful hips, incredibly powerful legs. Her quads are bigger than you know most of these you know young fitness competitors that are half her age, hmm. and and she looks remarkable. And so this is something that she chooses to do and wants to do. And yeah, like we know that you can have – I mean watch videos of Guido lifting. I mean his, his thoracic is rounded. That's yes, just how he me. braces, right? His lumbar mm-hmm. is completely neutral. So it's an untrained eye might look at that and be like, what the fuck are you doing? But there's a difference. So, yep. Yep. And yeah.
1: And that's – there's a, a really key component to posting videos like this in my opinion as well as provide education to what we're seeing. Yeah, You know, if we're able to have, you know, I always, I just, I don't want to just post like, here's Andrew doing a new deadlift. I want to show Andrew and like, here's what he could do before. Here's where he's progressed to now. Here's why we're doing this. Here's the application. You know, he had a hip injury. We've overcome that by utilizing this. Like if I'm now a person of the older demographic, And I'm experiencing the same issue that I just explained. I gave the problem. Now I'm giving the solution. And then I'm showing kind of proof of the client that this worked. That gives them a connection of like, that's me. That could be me. You know, I could come and do this rather than just coming on being like, my client hit 220 today and we just move on. I didn't learn anything from that. And again, I might have that opportunity to be intimidated by it or turned off by it, where if I read about or heard about the coach talking you know, here's where we've come from, why we do, there's a lesson to it, then, you know, there's a whole new uh, introduction to this content that can connect with people, you know, and there's, there's always something to be learned more than just what we see. You know, I think that could be a key component for, um, for trainers, young and old, but really for the entry level trainer coming up is explain what and why you're doing.
0: So that actually ties into where we we're going to go next nice. perfectly is, you know, I, I, Every time I have a guest come on, I look through their social media. I'm looking for Mm -hmm. interesting topics or things they posted recently. Something that could actually be really good on here. And one of the things I really notice is your social media, especially your Facebook, is entirely about your clientele. It's entirely information geared towards them. Um, And you've clearly chosen to do this. I wanted to know why is your first Mm -hmm. question. And you know, any thoughts on how fitness professionals may be hurting themselves uh, by where they're spending their time on how they post? perhaps unrelated to their work, or just, you know, we like to pick on the fit, fitness Instagram influencer type personality, but any of your thoughts on that entire spectrum of idea?
1: Yeah, my my kind of rules of my social media are, I want to show who I am as a real person, number one, um, so you will see pics and videos of my family and my kids and our property, our projects, because I want people to see that I'm, I'm real and you know, that I, I do eat pizza on occasion and I, you know, like I'm a real person. Um, I want to highlight my clients with educational content, but also it's not like, and you could do it too for, you know, $199. and here's our, like, none of it is a sales pitch. It's just, I'm going to lead with the education of what we have, why and how we do things. And if people connect to that by seeing their friend doing it or someone with the similar limitations or goals, then I'll let that occur. I'll let that connection happen. And then really the third one is like, I don't touch anything political. I don't touch anything religious. All of that stuff, I leave it off. You know, I don't do anything about drinking or partying, like all, all that stuff. I feel like those are all things. I don't I do not do any of that. I don't drink I or say, party. Do you do that a lot. <laughs> it's, you know, it was hard for me to get out of the hotel to go to dinner with Andrew. I was like, I could stay home. And I got some stuff to read. Uh, where I was like, they're like, come out and have a steak with us. And I ended up getting a crappy sandwich, right? Uh, the, the, my knife yeah. was sticking. That was one of my favorite photos. Jeff, my Jeff,
0: could, Jeff could have picked a better place to sit yeah, down. Yeah, yeah it so, was.
1: But, you know, I'm you, such a homebody. Like, I, I like to kind of feature that as... You know, I, I want to share experience, share that I'm real and that, you know, I, I know what I'm doing, but also, you know, we can be very progressive in our nature and doing it.
0: Yeah, uh, We also got to sit down with Lee Brandon as well, who uh, uh, yeah. I've, I've got to reach out to Lee and get her on the podcast in the near future. And she was the, the first woman to ever be hired in a strength conditioning role in the NFL. Yes. And she trains the what, the women's long drive champion of the world right now. And Lee is just this energetic, like, wow, she's got like passionate <laughs> energy. So She'll be a lot here. She is a really awesome person. That was a really good weekend. I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, I said this before on the podcast. I really think that when trainers start wandering into politics or even more than politics, like social issues, and we can often feel like, Hey, we're on really solid ground or, you know, feel like you've got the moral high ground. But sometimes those things, you know, in, in modern, um, you know, Social media culture. These things are very very polarizing and they tend to take on very extreme positions and Invariably you're gonna end up uh, pissing off someone who doesn't share your views or even more so and here's the thing I, I find some Professionals that I know have made the mistake of um, they've become activists and they brand themselves as activists mm. first before that before their fitness professionals and immediately when someone really takes a strong activist position be it far left or far right ideologically I tend to personally tune them out, and I seek information and follow and refer and recommend and share the information of people who are fitness professionals first. Um, if someone has a really strong uh, bend towards activism, I, I just don't feel good about sharing their resources with uh, you know the people who follow me and my clientele. Yeah, uh, you know, it just because that's always present in their message. I don't know what your thoughts on are on that.
1: They they come to us for a break from all that. You yeah. know, like we're supposed to be the the, the not you know the non stress at work the non stress of the news at home like we're supposed to be the one hour of the day that's about them and about their health and you know you're in the gym hanging out and it's quiet and it's you know you you, you feel like it's awkward and you're like how about the president and what he just did now <laughs> now we've just brought all that in right and now it's just it's like you you started a whole this like stress free health focused environment has now you know been been desecrated by bringing in everything else that was left outside and so it's like I'll even have to squelch it sometimes with our clients. They'll bring up something. I was at this dinner last night, or they'll talk and bring up a talking point, and you can feel it in the room. People getting uncomfortable, and I'll have to cut that real quick. And I'll turn up the music and be like, "All right, we're gonna get you know, I got I got to get something going to kind of change that because you know we and, and and that's who we represent in our circle of life with our clients. You know, this is this this realm we're in. That circle. Um, they don't need to see that on my social media. They don't need. I can have all those opinions, I can do all that, but you know, I look at social media as this is a way for me to reach my people. My people are my clients and my peers, my, my other experts that I like to connect and, and relate to, and, and ones that I can maybe teach some things to. What are they coming to me for? Um, to, to hear what I have to say about the way that we train, the way we do our business. And hopefully I'm leading a life that's a decent example of a family man and, you know, and someone that that wants to spend time with their kids. So I want to showcase those two things and only those two things, really, you you, know, and and do what I can with that.
2: And you end up getting in this weird realm, and like we've seen it with multiple people, is that you end up alienating your crowd of fitness people, but then... Mm -hmm. If you have followers and you're posting all sorts of stuff, you can have followers in the political realm that don't jive with your fitness people. But where are you making your money and where are you – like if you really want to help people, how is that helping? And I mean you could – people can do whatever they want but they are, they don't work very well together if the end goal is a fitness end goal. You know what I mean? Yeah, I
0: yep, agree. I only know probably a very, very select few people in our greater realm. I'll use James Fallow as a good example. I mean, James tends to build his entire brand and image on a Absolutely. lot of this sort of stuff. And you know what? And he's got a massive following with what he does. He's very successful, and that is part of who he is because he's not training individuals. Yeah. He's writing about this stuff, and he writes outside that realm. Virtually everybody else. I mean, you know, think about this. You train older adults, mm-hmm. right? And guess what? What what demographically do – in the United States, you're in the, you're in the U.S., you're in California. I suppose California mm-hmm. tends to be a bit more of a – uh, a liberal state left yeah. but yeah but nonetheless what happens demographically with older populations which way do they tend to lead a little bit right? to the right yeah tend to be a little bit more to the right so let's yeah. say you took a very very strong uh left view of things politically and you feel like hey i'm on the moral high ground mm-hmm. but this is the stuff that you are blasting and your audience may on average or at least a certain percentage of them tend to have views the other way you're yeah. alienating your audience these are people that they really shouldn't care what your views are and you shouldn't care what their views are. You are trying to help them move better. You're trying to prolong their lives. That's the stuff that really matters in our realm. And um, I, I often use the example of uh, crisis sports performance. And I mean, they don't, mm-hmm. they have a policy. They don't talk about their politics and, My guess is they're probably not extremely far right, right? I don't think they're extremely far the other way. But who is their demographic? The parents of, because it's not the kids who are coming in, the the pitchers, Mm -hmm. Midwestern all over the United States, the South, (laughs) you name it. And again, demographically speaking, that side probably voted for the the guy who's in the office right now (laughs) on average. And if these guys put a message on blast that was political, they're alienating the people who are paying for their kids uh, care and that has nothing to do with their ability to keep these young pitchers and young baseball players healthy and active and help them get into the the majors. They, those things have nothing to do with each other. Yeah. So well, again, I I'm just a strong believer. Well, Stay the fuck away from. Well, remember start. Mike? I we we had,
2: we had Mike Isotell on, and he he used to get into po- political arguments, and he he argued like at some point you have to really spend a lot of time. So like, what the fuck are you doing in fitness if you're researching all this stuff to have like a legit argument? but mm-hmm. he he mentioned that he has a company to run with employees under him and every time he would take a political stance it has the it has the potential to blow up and he's in a company mm-hmm. where he is helping people and, and a lot of people with in terms of how much how much volume they produce in terms of the fitness industry and it it, it really made me think because he's a very smart guy with that can take a very political stand and, and argue with them and he even had to pull back just because he had other people to care about and the same yeah. thing goes with our clients is like if, if, if you're that polarizing and you're miss you could potentially miss out on the opportunity to be in these people's lives. And that sucks.
0: Yeah. But well, yeah, I they also, Oh, you first, you first.
1: Uh, the, I, I think of Lou Shuler right away. You guys were just talking about having him on the other day. Like he, you definitely see some, some opinions there politically, but, but he's a writer, you know, like that's what he, that's, that's what fan. he does. And yeah. I, and he, he does find ways to kind of tie it back into the fitness world in some cases, but that's his profession. You know, um, Pete McCall, I'll see him do a little bit here and there. And like, there are some people that definitely have ways uh, about going about that. But, but, you know, until you have that platform and you know how to do it professionally, I agree with you, you know, leave, leave that alone. You can have your opinions and all that, but. Not during that hour, you know. Yeah.
0: Two things. One, I think Lou's actually toned it down since he's been working for the PTDC, because he now represents a big entity. So I think he's conscious of that. And then two, we've all we're dancing around being guilty of doing the same thing we're saying we shouldn't because we're talking about it. So yeah, true. That's true. No, hey, that's, <laughs> that's my fault. I'm the one who brought it. <laughs> no, so yeah, you, you're, you're I, the rule with We're politics. talking about not talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So let's go on TV <laughs> next. Big I think has something. For well, I, I, th- so, I think
2: like in terms of this goes in uh, outside of politics, but. We, let's talk about trainer images. And new trainers probably believe you need to build, I guess, this image or this large following based on their social media, based on their views. Um, what would you say to this? And how did you earn your
1: reputation and grow your business in your realm? Well, with there's there's re- it really depends on the demographic you're working with. Because if you're working with twenty and thirty year olds, then your social media is that's where they're going first to yeah. see you you know, where the 60 year olds go to Google my website, you know, like that's where they, they go to my website to hear about me rather than to, you know, an online resource outside to see what my reviews are, what, you know, what people say. So, um, you definitely, you have to have a brand and more importantly, a reputation for, uh, who you work with, how well you do with them. And I, I think every, every little thing is going to, um, uh, alter the opinion of you. Uh, for example, I'm, You know, you look at my social media and you see, you know, family and you see clients and a lot of clients, and a lot of education. And we had one day where um, three of my clients were doing a a wall set and uh, they they had, you know, I saw me turn around. And when I came back, I had my camera up and they were all flipping me off. And I was like, ah, I caught you guys. And so I put that picture on and I had Mm -hmm. a couple of clients call me out. They're like, this is unprofessional of you you know, we would have never, never guessed that you would put something like this on social media. When to me, I thought, oh, we're, you know, we're joking. We were having a good time. I thought people would get a laugh. Um, it's part of my reputation is that, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage that kind of behavior or something along those lines. So there are things that you kind of, you build as what people are going to expect from you. There's an expectation. Um, I don't yell at my clients. I have a, a standard level of what, you know, I think, they, they're able to do a lot of my clients say, they're like, you're, you're like my dad. I don't want to disappoint you. You know, like I get that kind of <laughs> reputation out there. And, and those, those are all things that you build and you experience. And once you kind of know you have them, you embrace those and you kind of keep going with them. So in the beginning though, it's, you just don't know what works with your demographic or what's going to work with your people and connect with your people. Um, but once you kind of figure that out, really get good at, at, you know. Mastering the idea of what you are and who you're working with if you're working with older adults own that be the best one You can learn as much as you can about that share as much as you can It it drives me nuts to see trainers that are doing good things and they have great content not share it They want to get paid for every dollar and you look at you know You look at these guys Eric Cressy puts out a newsletter every single week, you know uh, There's so many guys out there, you know that you talked about um uh, you know, the Personal Trainers uh, Career Development Center, they they put out newsletters every day. They put out content all the time. You know, it's just sharing that content lends to the reputation. It shows that you're educated and you want to help and you want to put it out there for people and you're not just worried about the bottom dollar. So every little thing, all those little bits, your comments on pages and posts that you put up, like all that is being perceived by potential customers more than you know. And and so it's it's kind of best behavior, but best interaction as well. And and I think also people can tell if you're full of it. If you're if you're not being genuine, they're gonna recognize that. If you're trying to be something that you're not, they're gonna recognize that. There was a and, I
2: was gonna say, speaking of
1: that, like being in other realms, like and
2: being that free example of, and putting all good information. Mike Dola, one of our older guests and the CEO of the company I work for, he his main advice a lot of times is like go to those places and answer questions and and put out content just by answering things in other groups and being mm-hmm. that expert because people are always watching like whether or not you think that they are if you're that role model in that realm it, it shows pretty fast especially because it's so convoluted with shit and it's easy to see past that a lot of times and all you have to do is be respectful and put out
1: even just decent information <laughs> you know what i mean and or- it, 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 yeah even just the attention that you put into your clients when you're training them. Mm-hmm. I was in a country club for 10 years and I had half my clients would start our initial consultation, with, I've been watching you train your clients and I've noticed you're not on your phone. You're not looking at other people. You're not, you know, checking yourself out more than you are. You're attentive. You're on them all the time. You genuinely care. You're, you know, they can see they're always watching. You know, I, I had Andrews. a lady that um, every day I'd walk in. I didn't know her name. She would look at me, she'd be on the treadmill and I'd round the steps and I'd wave and smile. And it was like three years of that. And she had a baby and finally decided to to get into shape. And I was the first one she came to. And and she was like, I, I, I came to you because you always waved to me and smile. And it's like I never even spoke to her, right? And You're always watching. Yeah. This is and Andrew's that like main thing. I've,
0: I've got I've got a client. Uh, she's a friend now. Um, same thing. I'd see her and her sister at the gym, and I just smile and and wave the old gym I used to work at. And you know, eventually she approached me after a few years. Like I think it was like three ish years or so. And same exact story. And actually, I remember her having a baby then. She's actually mm-hmm. pregnant with a you know a child right now again. She, And yeah, but she actually trained with me for a while, stayed on with me, switched facilities, insisted upon following me when I left my old facility. It came here, and she's a regular in the new facility. So she's not training actively with me anymore. She's actually gotten married to a guy who's really into fitness, and I taught her enough that she was incredibly independent. She got interested in like even more like strength and powerlifting type stuff and he's really into that so it worked out perfectly and, so I was just laughing because it was the same fucking story well yeah, I was uh, going to say that's, it's, a,
2: it's the same message this is that was Andrew's early platform getting into a lot of this like just his his own in terms of giving out information and getting on this podcast was like
1: that's that was essentially your main platform was like be a good trainer first yeah your your story right there just told me so much about you as a trainer because not only did you train this lady for years that you mentioned through a major, not medical issue, but a, a health issue of having a baby and recovering and coming back, but also you changed locations and she followed you. Yeah. Like The average, and I, I think a lot of people don't know this, the average client stays with a personal trainer, it's, it's 11 weeks, that's the average length, three months. And then they'll either quit or they'll move on to another facility and try someone else. So the fact that this person stayed with you for years, went through multiple challenges, went to a different location, you know, I mean, that... That recognize right now that gives me an opportunity to say you're very good at connecting with your clientele they see value with you constantly there's always a new challenge like they're not getting bored you know that speaks more volume than you know a, a certificate on the wall or the degree you have or whatnot all those are important but you know I mean that that really tells me you're doing something that majority of trainers they're they're not
0: well, that, I, I, yeah. I feel really lucky in that um, because, yeah, I, at one point uh, – and I'm going to be very careful what I say here because, you know, there's there's some there's some contentious shit with the old organization. I won't go too far into that. Mm. But um, when I knew I needed to leave the old organization due to a, a variety of problems in the environment, there, were, there was a lot of stuff. Uh, and, you know, there's some legalities in play even as we speak. So I, I will be very careful what I say. But yeah, I guess I, I, I don't know if they probably listen to this stuff. The, when I chose to leave, I, you know, I played by the rules. I knew that I had a very, very loyal, stable clientele. My clientele was largely based on referral business, which I'd brought into this place anyway. So these are relationships that I had developed. So when I chose to leave, I didn't need to, to solicit. I didn't need to do anything. Do I just, it was as honorable and ethical as I plausibly could be. I honored all of my obligations. I had, you know, generated an enormous amount of revenue for the old company for many years, and then when I chose to leave, I left. Uh, I got set up independently. A friend of mine's facility where where of all strength and you know, he wanted me to come over. And and guess what my clientele did? Um, nobody turned around and uh, went to another trainer at the old facility. No one wanted to. And the the majority of them, the core, all came and followed. They were like, hey, we want uh, reached out to me. We want to go where you're going. Yeah. I want to keep going with you. These are strong relationships. And they came with me and I had a Pre-made, ready-made business, ready to go, and and while I couldn't count on that, I was fairly confident that that would actually be the case. And you know, some of those people are still with me today. A lot of them are functioning very independently, and they've continued to to find renewal, uh, sort of referrals and other things for me as as business has grown. And a lot of old clients found out that I was at a different facility. They're like, hey, well, yeah, we didn't like the way things were set up and the contracts of the old thing, and we want to come back and train with you again. So I feel very proud of that, and I think that's the most important thing. Is like you said, is. Uh, a focus, attention on your clients. You've got to be engaged, to, You know, stay off the cell phones. Uh, just in, in nothing beats engagement. And then of course, just being a really great trainer, having a great relationship with these people. And that's the lifeblood of your business. Well, and none of that mm-hmm. has
2: to do with social media. So we asked the question about social media and both of your answers <laughs> are like, nothing to do with social media so i mean so there is a way to do this thing without that and like you said it depends demographic but andrew has people in their 20s and 30s who use social media that it had nothing to do with it and at that time your social media was shit so you know when you first when you first started you were barely you were
1: barely posting anything and that's that's kind of the thing is like and it's it's hard to to tie it back to social media is it's like it's hard to showcase What you've done when you haven't done anything yet—it's hard to offer opinions and give direction when you haven't directed anyone yet. So, like, you have to go through the steps, earn the clients, you know, kind of pay your dues to hit, uh, uh, you know, a local term with it, and start to establish who you are locally before you're going to start branch out to start inviting outside consumers and eventually, you know, onto a social platform to offer even more. It's—it's the progression of the business. That's—that's kind of how it's done. And until you start actually doing something. Uh, and and you have proof that it's working. You don't have much to say or to showcase. You now you're just talking. Well, and I'll correct myself. Andrew's Facebook was
2: awesome. It was his Instagram. You're probably like, "Fuck you, <laughs> oh, Like I, I never,
0: never had anything on Instagram, but you did but have that's...
2: Facebook, which oh. I would say does play well to like a little bit cool. older.
0: I I think writing on Facebook is actually something that's really important, uh, and I have been doing it for years as a trainer. I post a lot of client lifting videos and stuff like that. And I remember an old friend, I don't know if I told the story before, but an old buddy of mine who I got hired with the old company, he had asked the director, you know, hey, what are we allowed to do? What, what's the, what are we allowed to post on social media? And then the, the guy just paused and he's like, well, we only have two trainers in the company who actually post anything on social media. And I was one of them and Dean Somerset's the other one. Mm. And so then he, he was pretty much told, yeah, no, like, go ahead, you're welcome to. And it was something that so many trainers at the time uh, failed to utilize. Now, obviously, I think. Uh, Most everybody's on board with this stuff There's very few trainers who don't at least have some sort of presence But a lot of them just relied on having uh, business sold for them at the front desk Uh, Some of them are very very good at referral business anyway, so they're able Mm -hmm. to sustain themselves that way But uh, I think writing for social media is important. and It was that practice for many years that led to writing formal articles on my website which soon after led to me being invited to write for T nation and you know more cool opportunities is certainly where this nice. podcast is is able to come from so i always encourage fitness professionals as much as possible to share their thoughts and ideas on their social media and one of the best resources is your experience with your clients. There's nothing wrong with carrying a notepad or I use a tablet in the notes section. If someone says something, well, shit, there's a great idea for an article. Or Sometimes yeah. they, just, like, they, they something, say something ridiculous and I'm like, okay, I got to post that. So one of my clients yesterday is talking about, she's a group X instructor and she's talking about wanting uh, three-dimensional bums what? to her, the people that she works with. She wants 3D bums, right? Like they want to develop a 3D butt. She's like not a pointy butt, but uh, you want a three D butt. So I actually posted that yesterday Is that a thing? It. Like,
2: is <laughs> right.
0: we're all in three D. Well, well I mean, come on, let's let's be honest. You see some two dimensional butts on on humans walking around, right? So, so, she, so wants like right a, now, she, she wants like a go, lump. Go, going back to what we're talking about with bread and everything. Women want three dimensional butts. So mm-hmm. anyway, moving on. <laughs> so you're gonna write
2: an article? <laughs> like let's, let's let's go down this. Oh, are, you, are you writing an article? Or are you throwing this one up for to Robert to
1: to do?
0: Yeah, th- yeah here's your next article there we
1: columns. go yeah. for the 60 plus crowd 3D. almost every hour uh you, you have somebody that will ask a question or they'll make a comment that could be a, a education post or an article or something and, it, and I, I totally hear you what you know one of these will come up you can write them down and keep track of them and it was you know I, i've seen uh Oh, I forget his name right now. It, it, I'm blanking on it, but he he wrote a, uh, a a newsletter every single day for 365 days, and then put it all together and made a book out of it. It's the 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 personal trainer's uh, calendar handbook or something like that. I've got it sitting on my bedside, and I'm blanking on his name, but it's it's great. It's like every day it's a uh, you know one of the calendars you rip off the the far side cartoon. It's like something educational for trainers. I had a client that asked me this, and you know you, you're on to the next one each day. There's always something that you can, you know, take from your clientele and teach them, and 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 share that out. And next thing you know, if you do that daily, you got a book at the end of the year. You know, I mean, it can be that simple.
0: Totally. And I was having this conversation recently with a good friend of mine. We had her recently on the podcast, Savan Fagan, and she's trying to, you know, create the time and effort to put together an informational product. And you know, in, an informational product is really just a more formal collaboration of. Um, you know, exercise demonstration videos, or you know your writing and your thoughts. And if you actually plan this stuff out, like you just said, you can actually, on a daily basis, like she was talking about the challenge of creating daily information on social media, writing articles, and also finding the time to create a product where you could actually probably do all that as one because a lot of this information we can create can be multi-purpose. You create an, um, a video, like I've recently been shooting a library of exercise uh, videos for my online clients and my YouTube, uh, which I'm gonna start putting out more. And so you could take smaller fragments of those videos and they can become Instagram videos. And yeah. they can be double. You made a blooper video. And then and, and then everyone yeah, else did the posted my blooper video. Of that and that got okay.
2: kind of a Before be, before yeah. that, what the hell was it a blooper of? Like you didn't have the base. Is that what it was? Because
1: I, I didn't quite understand it. I was waiting for another one and yeah. another one and yeah. another one. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. no, like, 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 it I, I just, <laughs>
0: I was just one. Uh, Christian Thibodeau tagged me in a in a video of these things. Christians are way better because Christian, like, he seems all like sort of serious and severe, and then you realize what a like a goofy guy he is. But uh yeah, so you can then purpose that into like your story on Instagram, and like, fuck. I mean, if you want to be on Snapchat, I think Snapchat's kind of dead, but or not a really good vehicle for what we do. It's but you can do the same dead. thing on Instagram, and you can do it on Snapchat. And meanwhile, it is YouTube stuff already. And there's no reason why you can't actually do one thing and then purpose it into several places. Connected yeah, right? over and over. I hear you. Yeah. I don't, I don't think you're Robert... struggling with creating all these things and finding the time for it, um, just think about this stuff. It's it's not a bad strategy.
2: Robert's mm-hmm. not going to be the Snapchat chainer. I don't think. That's no, I'm a step, not. No. That's yeah, I, of, you're I'm lost in that I'm world. I'm
0: wondering if your if 60-somethings are like sending each other inappropriate Snapchat's. Snapchat.
1: Snapchats? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think so, no. I, I can honestly tell you I've never <laughs> Snapchatted or even... Even seen the app, so I, I, yeah, that's not us. I did it
2: for one week. It was, <laughs> it was awful, like, and that's how I knew I've aged a bit because I usually I can keep up with newer stuff, and like, I'm losing it now. Now it's just like I like my Facebook and Instagram, but I get nothing else. Yeah, nothing else. I keep it simple. Yeah, nothing yeah. else. Um, given the book,
0: one man.
1: Yeah, you have well, to. You, you obviously can...
0: read. I hope.
1: <laughs> Probably yes. Pendant.
0: Probably technical manuals, but what we use like every once in a while we'll ask some of this. I'm like, oh well, I gotta read, but like here's some research study. I'm like, face palm, I'm like God, give us something like that's All the research, not gonna go and read that. some random research uh, for fun. That's just not my thing. Literally yeah. every PhD um, does. That. Do you have have anything that you've read that really, really like spoke to you? You thought was an incredible book? You think that you know any, anyone in general should read? Certainly fitness professionals, but just was influential.
1: Dan John. Uh, i I cannot stress him enough. Um, my first read of his, i do I do the audiobooks. I listen. I have yep. like a forty minute commute. Yeah, so I listen to that. and i the first one i I heard of his was now what? And he talked about shark habits and, you know, simple things like all the way down to where he's like, I, I never have to go to the dentist because I keep flossers in my car while I'm driving. And I've got a huge bag of flossers in my car. I'm like, that's genius, right? Like all these little genius. things of these efficiencies. And he just talks about, you know, his new one is uh, 40 years with the whistle. And it, it just goes beyond X's and O's. It goes into life values and how, you know, we are, if you're working with youth, your examples for, for them as they grow up, you're more than just a coach. If you're working with older adults, you're, you know, maybe not necessarily taking the place of, but a lot of these clients, you know, they're widowers, they're widows. They, you know, they're they've lost people or are losing people. And now you're a new addition in. You're a new person to their their circle, someone they look forward to seeing that they value. And so you know, it's, it's just a little bit deeper content. He's super funny. You know, the audios are great because it's him reading it. It's not someone else reading it. So it's more like him telling you stories than it is, than it is him actually reading his book. I mean, I love his content. It's, it's so relatable. Plus he was a thrower and he's had cancer and he's Mm -hmm. had hip replacements. So I'm like, are you my dad? Like, dad, <laughs> you, you know, like dad? it really connects. From- is that you?
0: That's true. You're, you're dad, John 2.0. I never exactly. in on that. Yep, uh, yep. Dad is amazing. <laughs> he's fun to listen to on podcasts because you kind of get him a little more off the cuff. And it, he's a great storyteller, phenomenal mm-hmm. storyteller. And he's a major influence on the thinking of, I guess, our generation, the fitness industry, because he's that kind of generation slightly before. Um, I've read, uh, I think, Never Let Go. And never let go think, great. I've read yeah. two of his books. So. Okay, so I'm gonna actually put those other ones right at the top of the list because I didn't read uh, Forty Years of the Whistle. Yeah, it's um, great. It's yeah. great. And I then, think any, any trainer will benefit from listening to his stuff.
1: He, he's got another one called Mass Made Simple. You know, there's and then he's got a 24 week program where he does talk X's and O's, but he talks about why. I'm big on why. Like I want to, I want to know. You know, it's not just follow this; it'll cookie cut you to what you want. Like it's, you know, it's full detail explanation. So. I really enjoy that. I I do, you know, not to keep plugging Lou, but Lou and and Alan Cosgrove, their, their, you know, new rules of lifting, the original one that they did was the whole thing that got me going on. Like, oh, I, we do need to have a design, a blueprint for how we're doing this. Like we don't just pick stuff every day, you know, so it gets a a little technical, but it's still life application based. You know, I learned a lot there. And then, you know, I, I, I do, um, I love the NSCA, and I know all, they have all their research stuff, but they also have like the personal training journal, which is a little bit more like, let's talk about how we're applying all this stuff. And I get a lot more from that than here's all the research we did. And we had the 12 studies and the subjects and the placebo, and like, yeah, just, just just tell me the cliff notes of that and then how I can apply it to my people. I don't want to do the research. I don't want to read about the research. I want to know what you got from it and how I can use it. And And then I can start to have more experiences from there.
0: I really like that too, and uh, this is the reason why I follow people like uh, Doctor. Mike Gazzertell, Brett Contreras, and so many of the other people. Uh, Eric Helms is a good example. There's many, Jonathan many others. Black, yep. yeah, yeah, who are they're the guys reading the research. They're the guys who are reading can, it, digesting read it. it, and packaging it to us. Yeah. In the Coles Notes version, so that we we can take from it.
1: They like that. They enjoy that. Let them do it. And they go yeah. to
0: school exactly. to learn how to research. Like that's half exactly. the fucking
2: thing. Like it's it's yeah. actually very complicated. To just you can just you can just open up a study, but there's like metrics that like don't make sense if you don't understand it. So it's yeah. useless. It's not useless, but it's hard.
0: I would rather watch two of my favorite presenters are Greg <laughs> Knuckles and James Krieger. Mm-hmm. And I'd rather do a lot of James, things other than for, read, for research. such a little man. James Krieger has a powerful voice and a commanding presence when he's got a room. You're just a call you're him little man. He's I'm not told, that big.
2: You, you,
1: I, you can't say that. <laughs> he's,
0: you he's said a, you like said the way smaller, you said it too was like he's guy, just
1: this little but man. <laughs> but you're a giant, so that yeah. everybody's little to you.
0: <laughs> pretty much. I mean, one year we went. That was, was such a backhanded smiles. compliment. I, oh, uh, he's got a. I gotta I tell him James that. Krieger. Well, we don't like to point out. Two years ago at the. Not not this past year, the year before, at the Kedzie Fitness Summit. I'm hanging out there looking around. You know, oh, Jay Ashman's lost 10 pounds. I've gained 10 pounds. Like i cool and biggest guy there. And we look back and here's Stan Efforting just sitting quietly, taking it all in. It's like, oh, fuck, right? <laughs> <laughs> all, all 275 a Stan, just felt like a tree. I would say, nice. like,
2: I know I don't want to get too much on how big you are, but, like, you didn't put the work in that Stan put in. So, like, you're just big for being big. Stan's big. <laughs> he's a big guy, but he's also put the work in. Like you, you don't work out as hard as Stan. No fucking way. Sorry. Oh no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm <laughs> no. Not he's, what are what he. What's like, talking seven? about? He's massive. Look <laughs> yeah. at that you! I've do not put been, that much work I've in. I have BB problems. He puts in a lot of work. Like am he am works out twice as much power as power you. Yourself, and um, you, yeah, he works out twice as much as you, guaranteed. I love how you bust him on everything. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, can you realistically say that you work out as much as Stan? Like I never claim to. Okay, sure.
0: Well, Stan's also even older than I am. Jesus has got to have at least 10, 12, 15 years. No, I don't think he 10 or 12
2: years. You know what? Yeah, if so. you if you spend your 40s like Stan did, I'll give you props. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? You'd be so big. <laughs> Man, this is like the oh, perfect because like you're that. into your, you're <laughs> like literally into the realm of like what we're talking well, about. Fifty well, soon, we're gonna have to get you back because
0: this is a lot of fun. I, yeah, a- Andrew's it.
2: getting older, so like the more the older I'm, he gets, like we need you to come back to like Andrew. Don't be doing this shit. You like,
1: bet. I, you bet. <laughs>
0: I, I bet you, Robert, you had no idea what you were in for because, like, a lot of our guests, some of our guests have heard our podcast, some have not, so they have no context. Um, they just kind of hear about things, right? So I mean, we try to be reasonably professional, but no. it's definitely not, oh, what are the three ways to – the best ways to lose uh, lose fat while maintaining lean muscle mass or what are your your five favorite glute training exercises in, like, in technical detail? Hell no. we got to have some momentous stuff because yeah. you can get no, that I, stuff anywhere.
1: I hear you. I enjoyed it. It was really – it was fun to – be able to be off the cuff a little bit and just kind of talk talk shop, but talk life too. So, yeah, and before you leave, so we talk, we just trash social media; how none of your audience actually
2: cares about it. But <laughs> if you're a trainer or even someone below their fifties, where, where can they mm-hmm. find you online? Where's the best place to get all your stuff?
1: Uh, well, you know, Andrew mentioned our website, uh, trainingtheolderadult.com. dot and then um, if you find me on on Facebook, I do uh, a lot of stuff there. Instagram, I feature a lot of stuff there. Um, just getting involved with uh, Dr. John Russon, the article that came out today and uh, hoping to do do more things uh, with him. Um, the Functional Aging Institute, FAI, uh, I speak at their event every year and, and produce some content with them. And and then just locally here in Sacramento, I always invite people to come to the gym, you know, come hang out. If you're ever taking a vacation up to San Francisco, anything like that, I mean, we're an you know, hour and a half away. So come out, get a lift, come hang out, talk shop. You know, we'd show you around and maybe teach you a couple, couple of things you can do here and there. Uh, I'm, I'm always happy and so in, in love with this industry and how we all connect and we all, you know, speak the same language and have the ultimate intention to work with people, but just all in our own ways. You know, it's it's like uh, offensive linemen and throwers. They, they talk about food and working out, you know, and it's like it doesn't <laughs> matter what team you're on. You know, you just kind of slide right into the group and start chatting. That's, that's the best part of our industry.
0: Wonderful. Now, again, we appreciate having you on. I think it was I made it pretty clear that you're someone that I feel like uh, the fitness professionals, the emerging young new fitness professionals of our, of our industry, even established people should be following, should be absorbing what you're doing because, you know, I I, I do believe you're the first person who's really formalized a lot of this knowledge in one place about. De- older demographic, right? We know people dabble, and we know people are posting about it. But you know, you're really coalescing all into into a, a place, a website, and uh, and all your videos. So, guys, give Robert a follow. Um, I can't say enough about it. And then go read that article too. Like, so it'd be about a week old by the time everybody hears this podcast. And you can find it on John Reston's site. If you're, you know, on my social media, I shared it on my Facebook. Thank uh, you. Robert will be, it's on Yeah, yours. it's all I over saw, already. Yeah. yeah, I saw Savan's share. it. At this point, it blew the fuck else. up
2: for anyone listening. It's
1: yeah. the, it's the it's article. Good. It's, it's
0: good.
1: It, it's I, good. I, I put a lot of time into it. And there's, you know, there's the Ten Commandments are there, but it's, it's, uh, it's like, you know, I've got a video clip to go with each one. Um, it's something I really wanted to be able to have people say, like, "I learned a lot from this. I can apply it right away." So I put a lot of work into it. I'm I'm proud of it and uh,
0: really happy to share it with everyone. Great, cool. Nothing thanks like again, that. everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thank, Thank you all uh, very much. We do any parting shots?
2: Uh, yeah, you're definitely in his demographic. Peace.
0: Shut up and sit down.